good luck with the world. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. Hi. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another week. We're here for you. We're, we're still here. here. We're Don't worry. We are never through anything in life. We are still here for you. Remember that time when we were talking talking to Margot and we're like, wow. Yeah. What was the week that we both had? Like just a You pinnacle? were literally at a funeral. Like you yes. were like had moved not like during I, the funeral, but you were like I was in had a hotel a f- room. I remember that. You had just gotten back from the funeral or just leaving. And I kept muting myself and going over to the other room to throw up because I was oh, so yes. I went to the ER later that's that day. That's right. That's right. And I remember the interview with Margot is when we did that in the hotel room. And we yeah. were like, wow. If you we, were in a hotel if we room. Keep- <laughs> yeah. I was throwing up and I went to the emergency room as soon as we hung up with that because I hadn't with that call. And yeah. But we had like already rescheduled once with her. So we were like, we just got to get this done. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I'll just push through it. I'll be in a hotel room. It's going to be okay. So yeah, through thick and thin, we we show up for you guys. But not like we're these martyrs. We just really love doing the podcast. And I think I'm saying that too, because this week's been a rough week. And I'm obviously recording from a different place too. So Claire, you want to just kind of kick us off with the crappy week that's gone yeah, on? Yeah, we were supposed to record yesterday in about five minutes. So we're recording this on Monday. We typically have been recording on Sunday mornings, just given like the kind of unpredictable nature of our each of our individual weeks lately. And so we were supposed to record yesterday morning on Sunday and five minutes before we were supposed to start recording, um, I found out that my grandma had passed away. And so this week's episode is going to be a little bit shorter and something that, you know, we are, we're doing this over our lunch hour, just kind of trying to squeeze it in. But Joy texted me. I was like, you know, what, let's just skip this week. And I was like, no, this is something I actually really look forward to recording and feels like a little bit of a break. And it also just feels like a routine that is not something that, you know, I take for granted of having this. So yeah, but it's been a crappy couple of days. Yeah. So I think, and I completely understand that feeling too, just needing to kind of connect to something that feels normal and that you're not just talking about what's going on. And so, yeah, it's, here we are. And we're going to also talk about funny things because that's what we do too, but just acknowledging that it's just a really sad time for Claire right now. So I'm sure the podcast community is sending you loads and loads of love and you're going to get bombarded with a lot of really nice messages after this episode airs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's just so complicated right now. Like mm-hmm. it always sucks, but to have the extra layer. It always sucks. And also to be clear, my grandma did not pass away from anything COVID related. Um, so I'm, you know, I feel like that's always sort of anytime you see right now, like an announcement of a celebrity dying or something, it's like, do they die of COVID or anyone yep. dying? So just to clear the air for that, she it was not COVID related. But yeah, it was very sudden. This is the grandma that I've talked about quite a lot on the podcast. Anyway, I don't want to mm-hmm. start crying, so I'm not going to keep yes. talking. But yes, I understand that feeling. But we are here for you. We love you. And we are sending all the good thoughts and prayers to your family. And everybody... I know is thinking of you at this time and your family and your mom, all the things. So we just want to take a right turn from sad to just connecting to our community. And we're going to go through some Q and a, so we're going to finish some of our Q and a from last week that you guys submitted. Cause we got a lot of great questions, but before we do that, can I just keep it real shallow and talk about the Jessica Simpson book I read? <laughs> I cannot believe how many, like you just, <laughs> took this really incredible 
jog down 90s pop culture memory lane over the weekend in our Instagram stories and people were very people into it. We're so into it. I don't think I've had such a response to anything we posted in our stories. I mean, kind cadet maybe, babies maybe, but people really love the 90s. So I read kind of hesitant. I was a little hesitant to start her book. And let me tell you why. I read the reviews and people are kind of like, oh, she just likes to drone on about herself. I'm like, well, this is a memoir. And then some people complained about the audio and some people complained about her voice and how she reads it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm really in for just a celebrity memoir right now. So I took a, I took a risk. I'm so glad I did. It was like the most mindful mindful, mindless book that I needed in my life at that moment. <laughs> to so, be clear, the opposite <laughs> of mindful. The opposite of mindful, right. I highly suggest if you love like celebrity gossip and not in the um, exploitive, 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 exploitative. Is that what Ex- am I saying? Exploitative. Thank you. Yes. I knew I was missing a sil- syllable. Exploitative way, but the way that she presents this book is very Jessica Simpson. Like it's exactly what you would expect from her. So she gives all the gossip about the marriage with Nick and dating John Mayer, which I didn't realize it was such a big deal that when she, when they dated, like they were hot and heavy for quite some time. And he is a psycho. She makes him sound like a complete psycho. So when I was posting all these things on our stories, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I really hope people don't think that I'm all for John Mayer because he sounds like a crazy guy. But if you were a fan of the Newlyweds show, Claire, you didn't watch the Newlyweds, right? I had a very no. strong feeling that you were. Yeah, uh, I was no. like that. That was like way before your. It wasn't time. before my time, but I just was not ever a Jessica Simpson or a Nick Lachey fan, and so I had no draw to it at all. Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes. Like I remember the episode where Jessica Simpson got LASIK, and then they went to like a TGI Fridays with their big goggles on. But that I think that's the only. <laughs> I don't know why that yes. one scene stands out to me. <laughs> right, I know. Like it's it, there's all these kind of like uh, iconic photos of her walking down the aisle in her Vera Wang re- wedding dress. So I loved that show. That was like prime Hills time when I was super into the Hills, and just that brainless mind candy of in my twenties when I would watch Sex and the City, Newlyweds, The Hills, anything reality. Uh, the Simple Life, loved it, loved all of it. So anyway, so she talks all about that, but a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, like just in her life. The one thing that I think is really hard for people to listen to this book is she does have a voice that's a little bit porn starry at times where you're like, okay, are you... Like she totally does the vocal fry. Or, <laughs> she does the vocal like, fry. Like she doesn't not sound like Jessica from Love is Blind where she has the phone sex voice. For sure, it's that that girl. Blah. So that's the only thing is when you're listening to it, you kind of have to get you kind of have to get past it. But there's a few times I swear during the entire book where I'm like, is she is she about to just burst into tears, or is she truly just talking this way? So that's the other thing. Uh, listening to the book, I just kind of wanted to like give her a hug. At sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, how hard was this for her to read? She would cry at parts that you're like why are you crying right now? Because she would just get super emotional. Her voice would get really shaky, but highly, highly recommend it. But it was just funny because when I posted about that book, I was like, oh my gosh, once you read that book, you start to go down this rabbit hole. I started Googling everything. I started Googling the Newlywed show. I started Googling scenes from Newlyweds. And then I was like, okay, she references the song that Nick wrote her. So I was Googling the song that Nick wrote her wrote for her. And then the John Mayer songs that were about her. And then the songs that she wrote about, I mean, I went down a rabbit hole 
and so I just started posting all of this stuff and everyone was just freaking out. It was so funny. But um, I got to say, it was probably one of my favorite celebrity, celebrity memoirs in like the trashiest, just that mindless guilty pleasure that you could ask for. It was just so, so funny. I'm not saying it was good Pulitzer Prize good. No. Let me be clear with that. <laughs> this this <laughs> book is not going to change your life. Absolutely not. But it will let you just check out and yeah. fantasize about the celebrity lives and all the fun things that they get to do. Um, so the other thing that I got really sad about, Claire, is I was like, man, we really took for granted that we were we saw her in the flesh at Create and Cultivate. Like We were right there. Yeah, right there. And it was like the day her book came out. Yeah. Yeah. I really missed a golden opportunity because she walked right by me, right by me. And I just kind of looked at her and I was like, oh, there's Jessica Simpson. She's she's so cute and short and tiny. But remember that interview was not good. I mean, I I, I apologize for anyone. No, from I remember uh, Colton, in <laughs> fact, that might be listening that we were sitting there being like, wow, this interview is actively bad. Horrible. It was OK. So giving you guys a painting the portrait, setting the scene here. We were watching a lot of live talks during Create and Cultivate. And one of them was a keynote speaker, Jessica Simpson. So they had this huge stage. What was like 100 people in the audience, maybe 200? I can't remember. But it was it was a medium-sized audience. And so they have her speaking on the front. And I remember sitting there with Claire like, okay, this is going to be a fun interview. It'll be interesting to see what she says and talk about her business and talk about her new book. And it was the most awkward. It was so awkward. Like, they clearly had, first of all, Jessica Simpson had clearly not been prepped for the interview at all. And if you're like, we don't necessarily prep our podcast guests unless they ask specifically for it. But if you're about to go live in front of an audience that has paid to be there, you need to brief your people ahead of time about what questions you're going to ask them. And it was very clear that they had not done that. Or if they had, she had just blacked out, maybe. I don't really know. Like she would not like blacked out drunk, but like hadn't been paying attention. And they asked her some stupid question that was like, I mean, they asked her, of course, about like, how do you balance life just, and work? And well, you they know, asked what a are lot your... of questions. Yeah, they asked a lot of questions where she gave either yes, no answers. Yes. Or they just, Jessica was not about to give anything up. So she wasn't super chatty. And the interviewer, you could tell, was just try, it was like pulling teeth. So the interviewer wasn't asking great questions. And then you couple that with someone who's not really giving a lot of information and making her answers really short. Short, and it was just painful to listen to. I remember looking at Claire being like, oh, this is so bad. This is so I, bad. You didn't say this is about, you said we should be up there. Yeah. that's. Like, <laughs> I was like, I could do a better job. Do a better this. job than this. I know <laughs> we could. So, you know, next time that we are able to have in-person events, if you oh. ever need somebody to interview a celebrity, call Joy. Just call us. Just call yeah. And I'll just, I'll be there for moral support so that Joy doesn't get right. super freaked out so by talking to real celebrities. I don't get freaked out and, and nervous, but I was so appalled. I'm like, man, if you're you're interviewing a celebrity, you better have better questions than this. But the other thing was during this, in this book, she talks about an interview with Ellen, which I also had to Google because I was like, oh my gosh. So apparently Jessica Simpson had this raging alcohol problem and had to... I don't know if she actually went to rehab, but had to quit drinking and go sober. And who knows if she's actually sober now, but let's, let's cross our fingers. She's doing okay. But it, cause it was pretty bad. She talks all about this glitter cup and how she had basically just like a big tumbler of vodka from like morning till evening. And she went on Ellen and had taken either a mixture of pills or alcohol or one of the two. And she was bl like blasted on this interview. And it was so obvious if anyone wants to Google it and watch Jessica Simpson on Ellen, it is so embarrassing to watch where you just feel Claire, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to handle it. It's so uncomfortable because Ellen, you could see that Ellen didn't know before she went out on stage 
you could you can tell Ellen had no idea that Jessica Simpson was drunk, and so you can see Ellen's evolution throughout this interview of oh, her no. being like, Just of, yeah, control. of her being like, oh, she's blasted. She's, I mean, and she's so drunk. It's like, how did her people let her go out on stage like that? It is uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. So she talks about that in the book, how she's and she gives Ellen like a very nice apology and talks all about that. But she, for celebrity memoirs, like most of the time they kind of you can the other celebrity memoir that I loved was um oh shoot parks and rec rob Lowe. i'm like parks and rec he's done a million movies and then some but he wrote two amazing memoirs stories i only tell my friends if you want to read a good celebrity memoir that like gives the good dish rob Lowe's memoir memoirs are great but jessica simpson like gets into it she talks about when she like slept with dudes not that it's our business like let me be clear it's not our but business, if she puts it in a book like, it is your business yeah she's like Let's just it's talk fun. About you this. know what? It's fun. Who, who was it that we were talking to that was talking about like, oh gosh, what do they call it? Like the palace gossip or something. What do they say? Do you remember that interview? This was years ago. Who was it with? Oh gosh, I don't even remember. Ah, and they were talking about like, what is this phrase? They were talking about like why we're so obsessed with the Kardashians. Oh, um, and it's because it's like a peek behind like the, the town curtain. square. Yeah, <laughs> the town yeah. square gossip. <laughs> it's like, um, oh my gosh, what do they call it? Someone's gonna be like, someone's shouting this at oh, us right now. Oh yeah, I need to remember what this was because it, it like whatever pa- castle palace intrigue. Okay, palace intrigue. That sounds familiar. That sounds like a thing. Yeah. Okay. A situation. Nope. It like palace politics infighting. Anyway, that like that's why we're also obsessed with celebrities and like the peek behind the curtain is because it's like this intriguing life that like you would never have. And so you just want to know all the details. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt. And just because I loved, loved newlyweds and I wanted so bad to kind of see what was behind the scenes. And, you know, that was back then, back in the day when we truly had that fairy tale marriage picture perfect. That's how life was. I mean, that was kind of right before we started getting honest about marriage and relationships on the internet. (laughs) This was like when things were still so much sold, like you could have this picture perfect fairy tale life. And yeah, I just so appreciated it. She had a great bag. She had great clothes. I wanted her hair color so bad. It was such, it was so great. And Ashley, like her sister had this spinoff show. It was just so wonderful. I just could not get enough of the Simpson family. So uh, that was way too long of a book review of the Jefferson jessica simpson memoir but then if you want like more you know you could just go watch nick lachey and vanessa on love is blind and watch them go watch them host a horrible but so good reality show about dating so yeah so that then led me to this whole rabbit hole of pop music and thank you to everyone who gave your suggestions about the best pop ballad which i agree is justin timberlake's cry me a river um have you been watching I don't know. I feel what? like that that song is almost like too recent. It's a little, it, a little too recent, and a lot of people started to go like rock ballads. I'm like, no, 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 pop ballads, no, 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 ballads, no, no, like no boy band, like boy band. We're talking three to five up. early twenties mm-hmm. men, white guys yeah. needed to have. I mean, boys to men, or maybe white guys is too much of a qualifier. But like yeah. three to a group of three to five young men needed to have sang this in the late 80s to mid 90s right that's what we're qualifying here so i feel like justin timberlake's a little bit of a cop-out but so my next one would be incomplete by backstreet boys and then this i promise you by nsync oh my god i love this i promise you (laughs) with that that, um 
their music video where they're like in the woods and there's like bubbles everywhere and they all have these like incredibly chunky knit sweaters on like so chunky and it's so chunky this i promise you oh i love that so so good and then one direction has some really good pop ballads but they're a little too recent they are but i'll throw throw them in there oh my gosh I don't know, it's like in my head. I feel like so my favorite, drama. I loved, oh gosh, now I'm blanking on it. I'll be, that was my favorite one. It's like, I'll be your crying shoulder. It was oh so good. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I totally remember that one. That was one. a good one. That I totally remember that. That was like, when oh, they wait, had, but we can't that not, was in that movie, not The Notebook, but what was that oh, movie about something? I mean, it was, no, it wasn't The Notebook, but it was like some Nicholas Sparks movie. Oh, Everyone's shouting that it too. Was, um, yeah, it was like a great, with, with um, Robin Wright Penn and, oh my gosh, um, Dances with Wolves. Oh <laughs> What's his gosh. name? Uh, yeah. Guys, I'm sorry oh that gosh. you're having to just shout all these things. brains are just so fried. Uh, <laughs> hold on. That's going to drive me. We got to Google it. Okay, let's come back to that. Oh, it's in a Cinderella story. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. And then my the Albie was a Cinderella story. Okay, great. Okay, great. Good talk. Glad we've cleared that up. I also love, I mean, Savage Garden, like truly, madly, deeply. Oh, so good. Oh, so, so good. Good. Um, the, also, the other day, I was talking, Miles said something, and it reminded me of the Titanic theme song, and I started saying that to Brit. Like, he said something about, like, he said, I'm pretty sure he said, I see it, I feel it. Oh. And I was like, I see you, I feel <laughs> And Brandon looked at me, he's like, please do not do that. I was like, I, I have to now. It's, You're it's like, required. You're like, introduce him to this song. You're like, but I have to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like Celine. It's Lee. It's not Celine. It's Leo. That song is just it's Leo. Leo. It's so Leo. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now that we've like completely just talked about utterly random nonsense for 20 minutes, oh, should we do nonsense. some slightly less mm-hmm. random Q&A? Yeah. We needed some real, real surfacey stuff. Okay. So we can do some Q&A that we missed from our last week's episode because we had so many questions. Let's see. Someone asked, ooh, Claire's going to, you're going to take the lead on this one. I'm 38 weeks pregnant with my first. Would love some helpful advice and recommendations. What are your like must haves or do's resources? Um, I mean, she may have had the this baby. This is a loaded now. question. <laughs> I think my must haves are a support network that checks in on you and knows to check in on you. I mean, this is a loaded question from my perspective because of everything I went through with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And so really feeling like, I mean, like I could definitely tell you like half this crap that you registered for, you're never going to use. You don't need a changing table. Like basically all you need for the first two to three months are diapers, wipes, something for your baby to occasionally wear and a place for them to sleep. And then like if you're pumping or using formula, then some bottles. That's it. That's really and and I would add to that list personally that we use our solely carrier or wrap a ton because both my kids love to be worn all the time. But that's really it. And mm-hmm. uh so you know just like let yourself just find the basics. I know it works for you. Both my we had a swing. Both my kids hated the swings, but I know a lot of other moms would be like you have to have a swing somewhere you can put them when you need to do something else. But when they're tiny like that is literally anywhere because they can't even roll over yeah I would say the biggest my biggest resource or my biggest thing would be at 38 weeks to just really make sure and you know 40 weeks and whatever and two weeks postpartum and the whole thing just to really make sure that you have a network of people set up to check in on you especially right now um, because it can be really hard to reach out and it feels really good to have people checking in on you and it's really needed 
and you probably won't even realize how needed it is until it happens and try to get some people who are who have been through it who are also moms um, who can like kind of help you don't let people just tell you like oh just enjoy these moments because like honestly the newborn phase I think sucks Mm -hmm. newborns are relentless they're not fun they're cute but like they don't they're just like potatoes that eat all the time there's no feedback it's not a two-way loop at all and that was really hard for me so you know if you don't like this I feel like this is getting dark but if you don't love the newborn phase don't be hard on yourself. I hate the newborn phase. And that's not to say that I don't love my children, but I don't love tiny babies as a developmental phase. It's exhausting and it's not, there's no, it's not rewarding at all. Right. In my opinion, right. I did not get anything out mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was fun. On a lighter note, I would say identify a Netflix series that you can just watch endlessly with no consequence. Like I rewatched all of Downton Abbey the first time or when Evie was born. And when Miles was born, I watched all of 30 Rock just over and over again because you just need something to keep you awake. But that like you that's not going to stress you out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's not going to like, yeah, give you any any extra stress. No, that's good advice. Mm -hmm. Okay, this next one's for you as well. She's thinking about breast augmentation weird but can Claire talk about why she had them removed and we've talked about this early in our days but yeah as a primer when I was 19 I got a boob job and there's a lot of complicated things that go into that but the short story of why I got a boob job was because I always had very small boobs and I really didn't like that about myself because I felt like as I was very petite already I weighed like 105 pounds in college. Like it was very small. And I felt like I wasn't being taken seriously because I felt like I still looked like I was, you know, 14. And so as a way to outwardly combat that, I got a boob job when I was 19. There's a, like I said, there's, we can unpack that for it. We could have a whole podcast about 19 year olds getting boob jobs and what that means about their mental status. But it was not a big deal to me at the time. I had them removed about five years later. And a lot of people have asked me if it's because I got sick. I did not get sick. I know that there are a lot of um, stories and anecdotes of women who have had like almost autoimmune responses to implants. I did not experience that at all. In fact, everything about the experience like was technically fine. I didn't have any complications from the surgery. Everything healed fine. Everything looked fine. I just didn't ever feel like they were part of my body. Like it always felt foreign to me. They always felt foreign to me. And if I would wear, at the time I was a raft guide, so I was wearing a life jacket every day. And it's just like, it felt so they felt so restrictive they didn't they weren't comfortable and I just got to the point where I was like I I was thinking about them all the time because I felt like I could feel them and it was very much remember you describing it like whenever you would move they wouldn't move like yeah like there were certain movements that you would make where you could feel they stayed in place and you're like this feels weird yeah and like I mean there are definitely complications you can have of surgery where like your scar tissue really grabs onto them like that wasn't it again like technically everything was fine I think more what it was for me is just like they never felt like part of my body. And it it was it was like to the point where like, you know, that feeling where you have a pair of pants on and they're not so tight that like they're restrictive, but they're just tight enough that you're kind of always noticing them. Yeah, that's what it felt like all the time. That's a great description. And it just was like, I could live with it, but I just didn't, it was like, you know, this is not, I'm not getting out of this what I want. So that's really all that it was. And it was just a really personal experience. I, I haven't heard from any other people who have that same experience. And I don't know if it was just like a sensory thing. And again, to reiterate, it had nothing to do because people are probably gonna be like, well, that's just because, you know, your body was like the scar tissue. It had nothing to do with that. They were not 
tight or too big for my body or anything like that. It was just, I personally just never got used to them. Yeah. And everyone has their own situation. Right. A lot of people are like, oh, I got them taken out because I don't know, some something didn't feel right. Or people are like, yeah, I love them and I'll never go back. I considered it for the longest time. And I just, I'm kind of glad I waited it out because now I just could care less. <laughs> totally. I think that was the other so, thing too, is like, yeah. I realized after five years that like that had not solved my problem of, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, that turns out having boobs was not like the linchpin that I thought it was going to be yeah. at all. Yeah. It and was something that I really considered for a long time. And I am so glad I waited. So speaking to y'all younger than me uh, from the other side of 42, I am telling you, you'll get over it and you are going to probably be glad you didn't do it. <laughs> it just, care. I feel like having been on both sides of it, it didn't solve any of the problems I thought it was going to solve. It didn't like make me more confident in the way I thought it was going to. And I was in college. like I was in peak like boobs out phase. Like, you yeah, know, it was right. like peak slutty Halloween costume age. Did you pull some slutty Halloween costume costumes? No, with them? that was the thing. It was, it was oh, like, turns so out. They never saw the light of day. I mean, yeah, it turns out like still wearing a slutty Halloween costume was just not my personality, whether I had boobs or not. So that was the thing is I was oh. like, oh, it turns out this did not actually alter who I was. It's sort of like getting tattoos. Like the first time you get a tattoo, you realize, you know, people always say like, oh, tattoos are addictive. I don't think it's that getting tattoos like the act of getting tattooed is addictive. I think it's that once you have one, you realize like, oh, that was not that big of a deal. Yeah. And yeah. like that didn't change who I was. I, you know, like it was not like this transformative experience and like I'm still who I, the same person I was. I just now have like a picture on my arm. Yeah. It's like, cool. I'm going to get more pictures of my arm because they're pretty and like it didn't change me as a, as a person and I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a convict now. Yeah. Convict. Convict. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like that, like towards any plastic surgery? Or are you just kind of like, I mean, at this point, I don't know, people get facelifts, they get Botox. You know, I think it's get... just so personal for everyone. Like, yeah, for me, I don't think that 19 year olds after my experience, I don't necessarily think that 19 year olds should be allowed to get plastic surgery because like, you're still just really learning who you are. You know, I think if I were still heavily considering it now in my 30s after having kids, like it might be a different experience different experience and you know I've thought about oh if I am decide we're done having kids like would I get a tummy tuck or would I get you know and I don't really have that much loose skin but you know so those kinds of things are always kind of on my mind and I just remind myself that first of all like it's such a personal decision and so you know you have to have your own reasons but on the other hand for me I've gotten to the point where I feel like if I really stand for your body being a reflection of your habits and of your the life that you've lived and if I do actually believe that like your body should be a reflection of your values and of you know that we shouldn't be expected to all walk around with our bodies still in like factory condition mm -hmm. then I need to literally embody that as well and that's my challenge to myself is like to embody my my quote unquote flaws and imperfections and just live with them and not make them a big deal. Yeah. And we've talked about that a lot that like when I see photos or when I see people in public who have these again huge giant air quotes imperfections and flaws and they're just living their life like as if it doesn't even matter because it doesn't matter that that makes me feel like oh thank god like we're done worrying about this now. I can just like have stretch marks and loose skin and you know hairy legs and whatever mm -hmm. and like 
not have to worry about it. And like them not worrying about it gives me permission to not worry about it. And so that's what I want to offer to other people also is like, if me in any small way showing up just in the body that I have day in and day out without a bunch of disclaimers and also without calling it out and being like making a big deal out of it in either direction. Yeah. If that lets you do the same, Mm -hmm. then that's what I'm trying to accomplish. But when it comes to plastic surgery, I think what it really comes down to is like, it's such a personal decision and only you can really, only you can prevent forest fires. I always think that every time I say only you and only you can really know what is going to feel good in your body. And that's what matters. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's like, this is such such a complicated, I feel like the decision to make a conscious choice to try to alter your body, whether it's through plastic surgery or weight loss or anything like that right now feels especially loaded within like the body positivity movement and all of that, like really feeling like we're still being completely pulled in two polar opposite directions with like the dialogue of, oh, just love your body the way it is versus still the very prevalent dialogue of, you know, don't gain the quarantine 15 or whatever. Right. And there's not a right or wrong answer, in my opinion. I don't think that it reflects who you are as a person based on what you choose between those things, as long as it's a choice that you're making for yourself and not for anybody else. Right. For not, and not for everybody else. And that's the thing that I think I had to come to because I always thought, well, if I was doing it, I don't think I'd be doing it for me, kind of, but I'd be doing it for an outer appearance that I was truly at the core, not happy with how I looked. And I'm like, that just didn't feel right. I never wanted it to come from that place. So that's all. You do you. This is the moral of every story that we tell. Next question. I'm on the hunt for a running and cycling training program. What I would recommend if you have an indoor bike or you don't even actually need, well, I should say, yeah, you probably need, you at least need an indoor bike of some sort. You don't need a Peloton, but if you get the Peloton app, you can do the treadmill workouts and the cycling workouts just by using the app. You don't actually need one of their treadmills or cycling programs because um, bicycles, because they have some really good workouts. They have body weight workouts. They have outdoor running workouts. So you can do a whole list of, of workouts and training programs. If you want to kind of look at a running and cycling program combined, that's what I would recommend. I know there's other apps out there, but that obviously, because I've been using that one so much right now, that's what I would recommend. Claire, have you been doing any small business supporting now that we're talking about small businesses? And I would like to give a shout out to two of them since we're doing, we're still doing shout outs for our hop tea. And then I also want to give one to double under wonder. (laughs) Yes, and and we don't have a discount code for Hop Tea, but we do have a no. discount code for Double Under Wonder. And I love Double Under Wonder. We talk with them all the time. He's like the sweetest guy. Their so company sweet. is so funny and quirky. And it's just like, you. who doesn't need a fun jump rope? Our discount code is just joy. Mm-hmm. Go get yourself a fun jump rope. Support a small mm. local Denver business. And um, the other, um, we got a really great email from a woman in Moab. Um, who owns a store called the Raven image and it's like rave apostrophe N image. It's in mob. It's a, it's a clothing store. It's actually pretty much the only women's like boutique clothing store in all of Moab. And um, if you go to theravenimage.com, you can shop a lot of the stuff on her website. They have a lot. She has a lot of like amazing, really cool local jewelry and really cool local 
like artisan stuff that's on her website. Um, and it's all kind of like quirky and funky. It's pretty fun. So she reached out to us back at the beginning of quarantine when we asked people to, you know, send us their information on their businesses. She had reached out and asked if we would, you know, not promote, but just like include her in anything that we do because Moab has been hit really hard. Obviously their biggest season is typically March and April during which obviously everything was completely shut down. And so, we have a lot of friends who still live in Moab and um, we have some of our really close friends who are actually Miles's godparents. They own a campground in Moab and it had to be shut down and, you know, they are, have lost a ton of their income. And it's just such like a tricky thing because as they reopen too, it's like, well, yeah, it's nice that people are going to be back and they're going to be getting more income, but then it also potentially exposes them and their families. And it's a very small community and they have their hospital is really, really small. And anyway, so check out theravenimage.com to support a really cool locally owned Moab business. We love supporting small businesses. The other one, if you're in the Denver area and that you can go to the Edgewater Public Market, support all the vendors there because they are now open. They're doing takeout only, but I love the food in there and they're just, obviously everyone's really hurting for business. So I just always want to throw out a shout out to some small, small businesses. Someone also asked it, um, this was from a few episodes ago, quite a while ago, actually about my discussion around potentially wanting to go back to school and whether or not I've decided on that, because I was just talking about how I always have a hard time determining if that's something I want to do. And someone wrote me and I can't remember who it was, but basically they were saying, just ask yourself, why, why do you want to do it? Why, what's the purpose? What are you going to get out of it? And the questions were really like, and I think the other question was really like, do you really have to because it's such a big time investment and it's a big money investment. So she asked some really good clarifying questions for me and it was a resounding no. I was like, actually, no, I don't have to do this. The job I'm in does not require it. If I were to do it, I can't see it giving me more opportunities for the current career path I'm on. And so I was like, "Hmm, I'm going to just put that in my back pocket. I'm not really going to pursue that right now. That's my experience. That is definitely a very individual choice. But in case anyone was wondering where I stood on that, I was like, yeah, that's kind of where I was going in the first place. And then this listener just really validated my feelings. And so I think she was like a career counselor or some sort. I'm so sorry if I'm forgetting who you are, but it was just really, really helpful. She's like, I do this all the time. And I really try to help people figure out where they want to go on the next step. And so that was really great. So yeah, I'm just going to keep podcasting. That's all I'm going to do and raise dogs. I think that's my career path is to just keep podcasting and for you. raise, raise CCI dogs. That's all I'm yes. going to do. I told my mom that the other day I was like, yeah, mom, I think I'm just going to change careers. I, the quarantine has given me this really bad cabin fever where I want to change everything. I think some people seek normalcy where I'm like, let's move and let's, I want a new job. Like I just want to change everything. And of course I'm not going to do either of those right now, but it's just <laughs> interesting to see how much I'm like, okay, can I just like raise dogs and podcast all the time? That's really all I want to do. Yeah. How can I make a career out of both of those things? <laughs> how can I make that happen? A podcast about raising dogs, obviously. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's all good. Okay. All right, let's do so, one more. One more. I always like to hear about this one too. Are there any random or unusual health, household items that are super useful so is there anything that you find yourself using all the time that you're like, man, yes. this is this is so great. And what is it? Because I love finding those things too, where I'm like, I didn't know this existed. Like something from peppercorn I could see. Yeah. So <laughs> mine is not necessarily something that you didn't know existed, but something that I like, 
actually find myself using constantly is our latte frother. Ooh, I will second that. I love I a good it, latte frother. But I use it for everything. Like, Ooh, like what? Like I use it to mix salad dressing. I use it to mix protein shakes. I use it like anything that needs to be, I use it to make scrambled eggs. Like anything that needs to be stirred vigorously, I am using that latte frother. Like Ooh. we literally replace the batteries in our latte frother twice a month because we use it so much. That's great. That's a really good one. And it's like 10 bucks. Yeah. Highly, highly. Yeah. And if you, we also, when Evie was still drinking formula, we used it on her formula. Like it's wonderful. Yeah. It, it's one of the things that in our kitchen that never gets put away. I'd love to hear quirky things or just things that are not. I know. I want to hear expect. this from I want to hear all the tools, all mm-hmm. the tools, all the things. Great. Well, let's wrap up this week. Oh, wait, and, hold on. Wait, no, no. I oh, want one more. I, you you reminded me go. when you said, oh, I really like to hear this one. I remembered that I had one that I wanted to ask. I feel okay. like this was a thing at the beginning of quarantine that I was seeing this a lot on, on like Facebook. People would list like what are five or 10 things that everyone else likes that you don't like. Mm-hmm. What are like two or three things that you feel like everyone else likes that you don't like? Everyone likes iced coffee. I don't like iced coffee. Oh. And everyone, <laughs> I do not like iced coffee. I will drink it to be clear. I will drink <laughs> it. Clear. But I won't, that's never going to be my go to. And I probably haven't voluntarily ordered it in ages. That's so funny. But like, not even, like, what's just like things that people, like, for me, when I think about this question, the answers are like, I hate Game of Thrones. Everyone else seems to really like Game of Thrones. I oh, hate Star yeah. Wars. Everyone else seems to really like Star Wars. I um I hate oat milk. Like everyone else really seems to love oat milk. And I'm like, or not, like, I mean, oat milk's okay, I guess. But like a lot of people were like, when I, I saw a post about this and a lot of people were like, avocado, like I hate avocado. What's the big deal? Um, you know, kombucha, like I hate kombucha. What's the big, like, what are the, like, do you have anything like that where it's like everyone else is obsessed with this thing? And I like right. thin mints. I hate thin mints. I hate them. I would rather, if I want to eat a chocolate mint cookie, I'm, I'll brush my teeth and then eat an Oreo. I know. You're, you have very strong feelings about this. I've got chocolate sure. mint. Extremely mm-hmm. strong feelings. But just like yeah. in general, like those type, I'm trying to think what else I put, like, because I remember I did a post like this back, it, it literally was like at the beginning of March. I'm trying to remember like what else I said. But I thought that was so funny to hear like all the things that, you know, because some, some people wrote stuff where I was like, what? How do you not like avocados? Yeah, that's kind of true. That's kind of true. I think, and I've, I've had to have like a list in front of me because I think I mean the, there's some shows that people rave about like Mad Men I've never watched one episode of Mad Men everyone's like oh my gosh it's so good or The Wire oh, I'm gonna get so much shit for that but because everyone's like The Wire is the best show in the whole world I've watched a couple episodes I couldn't get into it I'm sure it's amazing, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, I just couldn't watch it, but I'll have to kind of get, we should actually put a list together of things that people super, super love or super, super don't love. And we'll have to weigh in on them because I'm totally drawing a blank. I'm like, "Eh." okay, so here's, here's some examples. Okay. This one, this one says, like, this is a a list of of Twitter posts about it. Name 10 things other people like that you don't. This person wrote ABBA, David Attenborough. Who doesn't like David Attenborough? Garlic, cheese, coffee, Fleetwood Mac, Eurovision, mayonnaise, barbecues, and Kate Bush. Wow. Those are very diverse. This person, coffee, barbecue, grilled cheese sandwiches, Justin Timberlake, pumpkin anything, anything spicier than Cool Ranch Doritos. So anything. I mean, I will. I'm going to jump on. I love what I, I when they were talking about was what was it? Garlic. Yeah. Like they don't like everyone loves garlic and they don't. So these are things they don't like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a garlic fan. Yeah. What was the next one? Cats, 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 tomato, cats, cats. <laughs> People um, have very strong feelings about like, animals. Yeah, this was like a whole Twitter thread. 
at in the beginning of March. So if you participated yeah. in this already and you're like, guys, you're like 10 weeks too late. I oh, yeah. apologize. However, which, which by the way, everyone got really uh, heated, not heated, but they were like, I can't believe you didn't know that Dear John, the Taylor Swift song, Dear John was about John Mayer. I'm like, I actually knew that, but I just had to throw that in because be it, clear. it was a, it was, it was a part of my rabbit hole. And then when I was listening to his song, I was like, wait a minute, there's Taylor. Now she's thrown into this mix. It was just a great, it was such a great rabbit hole. I may have to go down a 90s rabbit hole again because there's so much good content. There's so many good things. So good. Go listen to some Gwen Stefani and oh gosh, some Gwen. Mandy Moore. Some Mariah Carey. Oh, so good. <sighs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you we next week. We wish you a good week. Love you guys. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can.